The views and opinions expressed by individuals on the following program do not necessarily reflect those of the network, Guys Guy Radio, and its platforms. It's Guys Guy Radio. Here's your host, Robert Manny. Okay, another wonderful conversation with Neil Donald Walsh here on Guys Guys Radio. Uh, the third one, he's been on the show, and I, we hope to get him back on again. This one was about his book, God Talk, Experiences of Humanity's Connections with a Higher Power. A lot of stories from individuals who've contacted Neil about their own personal connections and conversations, if you will, with God. And uh, what did we learn today? I think we learned that, you know, God doesn't really want anything from us. God's not there to judge us. If God's not there to ask for forgiveness. If you want to forgive somebody, forgive yourself and forgive others. But God's not looking for anything from us, he, he or she or it, however you want to refer to the universal consciousness, loves us unconditionally, just the way we are, and just like the Billy Joel song. So no worries, people. You are loved. And I think our biggest challenge is, and one of the things we learned today is, because God experiences itself through us, we need to do the best we can to really shine a light on the dark sides of ourselves, the shadow side, and uncover the divinity, the pure love that's within each and every one of us. And if we start to do that, we start to recognize that in other people and other things and in everything, the world can become a better place, but it all starts with us. Each one of us has to do our own work. Guys Guys Radio, we're here every Wednesday evening on KCAA Radio in Southern California at 8 p.m. Pacific Time. 106.5 106.5 FM, 10.50 AM. The show rebroadcasts every Sunday evening at 6 PM Pacific time on KCAA. The podcast drops every Thursday. We've been downloaded in over 100 countries, and we chart frequently across the world, so it's pretty easy to find Guys Guys Radio, whether it's on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us, I'm sure. The YouTube and Rumble, if you want to watch our video portions of the show, which is the the interviews, my interviews with over 750 thought leaders, you can check out our YouTube channel, Robert Manny. Just Google my name there on uh, YouTube, search for me, and you'll find our channel. And um, if you enjoy it, well, please subscribe. (laughs) If you enjoy the content and guests, I bring you each and every week. Please subscribe, rate, rank, review, whatever you can do to support us. We really appreciate it. We're also on UK Health Radio every weekend, four times a week. UK Health Radio is the world's largest talk health station in the world. It's digital, so it's on the internet, and you can listen to us on the weekends or on demand. So you just go to their website, go to the channels, and find us. And we're there for you. You can listen to any of the episodes since we've been on UK Health Radio, which is all of 2023 and going forward. I also write an article. It's a series I write for UK Health Radio's Health Triangle magazine. It's their digital magazine. And I write a series each month called Aging as a Choice. And it's about really our society's, what I think, dysfunctional view about aging, where they think, uh, you know, you get old and then you get in the way and you're diminished and It's just all negativity, and it doesn't have to be that way. So I write about what can be, and a lot of the practices that I pursue on my own to keep myself as sharp and as healthy and vital as possible, and I share them, 
my own personal stories. And uh, if you if you're in sync with that and you want to try some of those or incorporate that in your daily regimes and regimens, great. And if not, that's that's your call. I just put the information out there as I do with my guests, and it's all for you to take with you and use however you want. My website, robertmanni.com, has over 300 blog posts about life, love, the pursuit of happiness, a lot of the conversations that we've had on the show, a lot of the topics and concepts that we cover are covered on the website. It's all free. You can also download three free chapters of my novel, The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love. It's a novel. It's a rom-com. It's been called The Male Successor to Sex in the City. It's a sexy romp through the fast-moving, high-stake worlds of Madison Avenue. It's fast. It's frothy. It's fun. It's sexy. It's about friendship and redemption and business, and this takes place in the ad world in New York City, and it's got some savvy women and some flawed male characters, but it all seems to work out. It's kind of a summer read that's about something. So it's got some layers. It's got some plot. It's a lot of fun. It's got great reviews. So if you want to check it out for free, three free chapters on my website. And then if you want, buy it on Amazon or wherever. You can get the physical book or digital book. I thank you for your support of that. I also thank you for subscribing to our YouTube channel because it's pretty competitive out there and we're doing our very best to bring you the best content that we can to help you live your best life. So I want to thank all of those 750 plus guests and thought leaders who've come on the show to share their wisdom and knowledge and journeys with us. I want to thank Chris, my wonderful producer, who does such a fantastic job and Ryan, my strategy lead. Most of all, I want to thank you, my listeners, my viewers, my readers, wonderful people. I really appreciate it. And thank you for spreading the word about Guys Guys Radio. We're going to hear, be here every week for a long time because I love doing the show. I love sharing the knowledge that I get from our guests. I've incorporated a lot of the practices that I picked up from my guests into my own daily routines. And I would urge you to consider a lot of the information that we share with you on Guys Guys Radio is things that may or may not work for you. It's up to you, but at least thank you for hearing these people out. Thank you for hearing me out because, you know, my goal is to help you live your best life, period. So Guys Guys Radio, I'm going to be back with you again next week and the week after that and the week after that for the foreseeable future. And I just, once again, I'm so thrilled to be doing the show and we keep growing and growing and growing and adding platforms and platforms and platforms. So we'll see you next week. Until then, like I always like to say, guys, guys, finish first. It's Guys Guy Radio. Okay, Guys Guys Radio, it is the interview portion of our show, and I've got a tremendous special guest returning to us on Guys Guys Radio. His third time on the show. To me, he's been an incredible teacher for me as well as for humanity. His name is Neil Donald Walsh. He's written over 40 books on contemporary spirituality and its practical application in everyday life, including nine books in the the world-renowned Conversations with God series, seven which have made it to the New York Times bestseller list. Book one remained on that list for 134 weeks and counting, I guess. His titles have been translated into 37 languages and have been read by millions of people around the world. He's got a new book. It's called, I'll hold it up here for our YouTube audience. It's called God Talk, Experiences of Humanity's Connections with a Higher Power. So 
Neil takes us kind of in an overview as to how we can have our own conversations with God and what they can mean to us. And then there's a lot of examples of that throughout the book in terms of people having conversations with God that have changed their life. So it is my pleasure and honor to welcome Neil Donald Walsh back to Guys Guys Radio. How are you, thank Neil? You. Well, thank you, Robert. I'm wonderful, and I hope you are as well. And I, I appreciate the opportunity to spend this time with you. How may I serve you? Well, okay. Uh, you're, this is your 40th book. How did you decide to do this book, and why is it different than your other books? Well, how I decided is rather unusual, frankly. You know, most authors, myself included, have an idea for a book. They sit down and start writing it. Then they search for a publisher. If they're lucky, they have a literary agent. I've had the same literary agent for 23 years, and he searches for a publisher. And uh, if he's lucky, he finds one, and we move forward from there. That's the process that most authors use. In my case, on this particular book, the phone rang. I simply answered the telephone. And, and it was a publisher calling me. That's very rare. But the publisher called me and said, Neil, would you be interested in writing a book that answered a question that we think people are asking a lot since your first books came out. And the question is, can anyone have a conversation with God? And if so, how can they do that? Can you write a book about that? And I said, you know what? <laughs> Interesting. I never thought about it, but yes, I can I can write a book about that. So I did. It was about a year ago. I took a, a few weeks to write the book and sent it to them, and they are bringing it out now. And so that's how I chose to write this book i was simply asked to which which is amazing uh for those who don't know neil's story um i think um, let me try to summarize it and then you can correct me um he was really down on his luck and kind of wrote a, was writing a letter to god saying you know this is this is some of the things that are bothering me and then god spoke to neil i guess telepathically uh and then started to help neil begin to write and it was kind of an automatic writing, which became the book Conversations with God. Is that fairly accurate? It, it's accurate, except to the point of automatic writing. P people think of automatic writing as a situation where the pen is moving on its own on the paper and so forth. I wouldn't call it automatic writing any more than other people who have written uh, a, a, on these kinds of subjects would call it automatic writing. I would call it not not to be nitpicky, but I think it's important for people to see that it, it's not automatic writing in the sense that my body was overtaken mm -hmm. by some entity outside of myself and began moving the pen around. But you were, was, you were I would call it I would call it inspired writing. Okay. And what I did was I took dictation. The first part of your narration was correct, Robert. I had reached a point in my life where everything that could go wrong was going wrong. I mean, literally, my career my 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 uh, relationship with my significant other and my health all three fell apart in the same 10-day period and so you know because I, I my relationship ended amicably we we agreed to, to separate and it was not you know filled with anger but we were trying to do it in a civilized way but then five days later i had uh the experience of losing my job i was fired I was I was downsized, they called it, because mm -hmm. not because I wasn't performing well. In fact, my boss said just the opposite. He said, of all the people I hate to use, hate to lose, you're the one I hate to lose. But you were the last person in. So you have no seniority. And we've been uh, ordered by uh, corporate headquarters to downsize 
last person in, first person out. So now I lost my relationship and my job within the same five days. I'm driving to an appointment for an interview for a job I knew I would get because I had all the qualifications. And an elderly gentleman turns in front of me, makes a left turn in front of my car as I'm tootling down the highway. I wasn't even going fast. I'm a very slow driver anyway. Most people who ride with me complain that I drive so slowly. But I'm driving, you know, 25 miles an hour in a 30-mile-an-hour zone. And the guy smashed into me. It wasn't a fender bender, Robert. It was a major collision. My car was totaled. And I broke my neck. I suffered a broken neck in the car accident. And it wasn't a hairline fracture. Oh, he's got a hairline fracture in his neck. No, well, I remember the wording on the x-ray. It said that I had suffered a three-quarter inch avulsion fracture of the seventh cervical vertebrae posteriorly. A three-quarter inch fracture is big enough to put a pencil through. When I woke up in the hospital, of course, they shot me full of painkiller immediately. When I woke up, the doctor was leaning over my my body on the table, and he said, you realize that one person out of a thousand who suffers that kind of a neck injury survives. Most people die because of spinal cord complications. Somehow you managed to survive. Not only did you survive, but those few who do survive are inevitably paralyzed from the waist down, from the neck down, actually. And you haven't been paralyzed at all. So he looked at me and he said, what do you intend to do with the rest of your life? He goes, Mr. Walsh, you've been given a once in a million gift. So, okay. I found a little apartment, a little on top of a garage, a little one-room place, just enough for me to settle down. Uh, and, and there I was until I couldn't pay the rent because I couldn't get a job. Nobody would hire me because I'm wearing a Philadelphia collar. It's a, a therapeutic device that holds your head up. And I couldn't, nobody would hire me. And I couldn't understand what was going on. Finally, the, the third or fourth person that was interviewing me said, Mr. Walsh, I got to be honest with you. Nobody's going to hire you while you're wearing that therapeutic device on your neck. One wrong move, and we're paying your hospital bills for the next six years. You know, Come to us when you're free of that, obviously, corrective therapeutic device. So now I'm living there and I, I can't pay the rent because I have no more income. The landlord asked me to leave. Now, I've, I'm, in addition to losing everything else, my job, my relationship, my health, I now lose where I'm living. I'm living on the sidewalk. I have nowhere else to live. I wound up spending a year as a street person, Robert. 12 months, two weeks to, to be exact, two weeks shy of one year. And finally, I got off the sidewalk. I found a little part-time job. A little week, it was a weekend job, frankly. It wasn't even a full-time job, but, I, but it was a weekend job, enough for me to, to pay for a little place to live. And then I woke up one morning, and I became, I was furious. I thought, what have I done? to deserve a life of such ongoing struggle, one thing after the other. I mean, the triple whammy, come on. And, and so then I sat down and I, there was a yellow legal pad on my coffee table and I, and I picked up the yellow legal pad and I began, as you said, writing an angry letter to God. It was kind of a self-therapeutic device, really. I'm just writing, you know, just getting my thoughts out. And, but I'm very angry. What have I done to deserve a life of such continuing struggle? And I remember, remember writing, tell me the rules. 
I'll play the silly game of life. Just tell me the rules. And after you give me the rules, don't change them because it feels like the rules of life are changing every six months. I don't even know what's going on anymore. And that's when I heard a voice that said to me, Neil, do you really want answers to all of these questions? Or are you just venting? I thought, I thought to myself, you, you think? And I said, yeah, yeah, I, I, hey, if you got answers, I'd sure as hell like to know what they are. And God said, you are sure as hell about a lot of things. But wouldn't you rather be sure as heaven? And I'm thinking, excuse me. My mother used to say, nothing to sneeze at. So um, I thought, yeah, okay. What's that supposed to mean? And God gave me answers to all the questions I ever asked. And I started writing them down because I wanted to make sure I didn't forget what I was hearing in my mind, Robert. And then I was told, among other things, you will make of this one day a book and it will be accessed by many people. And I thought to myself, that's not going to happen. No way in the world. But because who's going to publish a book because a guy says, hey, I'm talking to God. <laughs> but you know, and I could just see the—I could just see a publisher going out to the workroom floor, saying to his editors, "Stop everything! Hold the presses! I got a guy here who's talking to God." It's not going to happen. Was the process of getting the book published, the manuscript published, as challenging as the circumstances you went through? To no, no, I simply sent it to three relatively small publishers, and I got a call about a week later from one of them who said, hey, this is fascinating material. A couple of our guys have read it. We really find it fascinating. We're going to publish it. I said, you're kidding me. He said, no, we, we really think it's uh, you, you know, informa useful information. And as I said, he said, I think it's fascinating the way it's put together. He said, there's really nothing new here, frankly. But the way you've done it as a dialogue with God, that's really fascinating. So I thought, okay, well, fair enough. Publish it. Go ahead. I thought it's not going to sell 500 copies. Who's going to buy a book by a guy who claims to be talking to God? And I was right. It didn't sell 500 copies. It sold 15 million. Now, in 37 languages. Now, between the first book and then you've done a series of conversations with God. And yeah, because they, because they were asking me in New York, do you have any sisters like that at home? Okay. Well, like, what else do you got? What else? Do you, but did was your conversation then with God after the first book? How did that go in terms of additional content? Well, it was wonderful in terms of additional content because any question I asked, in fact, I have to say, God was even, um, I would say, inspiring me to ask certain questions. So I, I began asking the questions that God wanted me to ask so that God could give me the answers that God wanted the human race to receive. So I let myself have that conversation with God go on, and nine books were produced with that process. And then I got that call, as I said, from the publisher, who said, would you tell people how they could have their own conversation with God? I love it. And and the name of this book is God Talk: Experiences of Humanity's Connections with a Higher Power. It's a common sentience book. Neil Donald Walsh, my special guest. Neil, you're one of the great spiritual teachers uh, on Earth today, and I thank you so much 
not just for being on the show, but for being who you are and doing what you've done and continuing to do it and just uh, really being a light and a beacon. And I, I say that out of sincerity. You have helped me. You were my first big guest on the show. And I was so thrilled that you came on and you were so kind to me and you have a radio background also. And I've always kept the knowledge that I my takeaway has always been because I've interviewed 750 people now. And most of them are thought leaders and they're all different areas. A lot of them are in the metaphysical, but not all. And I took away my main takeaway from your conversations with God, if you will, is that God experiences he, she, itself, whatever, through us. And I always keep that in mind, as well as what you've been saying recently, as well as in the past, that God is not just love, but God is pure love. And I have found that living life through those two pieces of knowledge change everything, changes everything. And uh, and I do some practices every day on myself in terms of affirmations and prayer and stretching and talking to God and my, my own process, if you will. And just two days ago, as I was preparing for our talk, I asked myself, am I just doing this thing over and over and over again? What, have I changed at all? And then I was sleeping and I saw a vision of myself kind of laying there. And it was a very soft version of myself. And I, don't, I say soft in a good way. So I know that my frequency has been um, raised a bit by going through that process and just on a regular basis, being more loving, being more forgiving, being witnessing my own anger, other things I go through. And it's just being there and realizing that God is everything and God lives through us. Um, Help me out breaking that down, because I think a lot of people go through this and they're not sure if they're getting anything out of their spiritual process, if you will. Well, I think the challenge, uh, Robert, is that most people, from my observation, and I, by the way, include myself in that group, which is why I feel so strongly about it, that most people do not know what they're doing here. I mean, like, you know, what are, what are we doing? Most people are not clear what their identity is and what they're really on earth to do. You know, I was raised, Robert, in a culture, and so the message that my culture gave me that what I was supposed to be doing was, you know, from the time I was like 16 years old or 17 years old, get the girl, get the car, not necessarily in that order, right. I had to have the car first. <laughs> exactly. Get the car, get the girl, you know, get the job, get get the wife, ultimately, get the better job, get the better car, get the better wife, get the yeah. better wife, get the yeah. better wife, you know, go, go on and on. And, you know, and then get the office in the corner with your name on the door. Then get maybe, if you're lucky, get the building on the corner with your name on the building. And, and then finally get the gray hair, get the grandchildren, get the cruise tickets, get the retirement watch, get the sickness and get out. Mm -hmm. And that was how I thought life was supposed to go. I, uh, beyond that cultural story, I really had no idea what I was doing here. I would, I would ask God, what in the world am I, why did I come here? Who, you know, what's going on? So I want to start when you say, could I, could I unravel some of that stuff, Robert? What I want people to know is that I came to the awareness that I have never really asked myself a fundamental question. Who am I? Am, am I, am I uh, uh, simply a, a physical entity? You know, just a, a, a physical creature, not unlike a bird in the sky or a fish in the sea. 
more complex, perhaps, fair enough, but, but simply another life form? Or is it possible, just possible, that I'm more than that, that I'm a spiritual entity having a physical experience, and that my body and my mind are simply tools, pieces of equipment that I was, I'm using in order to complete the agenda of the soul? Which, of course, led me to the next question. What is the agenda of the soul? What am I here to do? If I'm a spiritual entity, why didn't I stay in the realm of the spiritual? Why in the world would I come to this place, to the to the physical realm? And I was told that I came to the physical realm, as do all souls, because in the physical realm, there exists the opposite of what I am, the other than, uh, the, 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 that which is not who I am. You know, and the example that I use is if I think that I'm light, I, I just use it as a metaphor. I don't really feel that way about myself. But as metaphorically speaking, if I say I am the light, I would have to place myself in a space where there is a thing called darkness. Because if I was simply in a space where there, all there is is light, then I couldn't experience myself. I could conceptualize, I could know myself as the light, but I couldn't express or experience myself as the light absent the darkness. That's when I got the clarity. Wow, wait a minute. I was told, raise not your fist to heaven and curse the darkness not, but be a light unto the darkness that you might know who you really are and that all those whose lives you touch might know who they really are as well. That's when I discovered who I am and what I'm doing here. I'm here, Robert, in the realm of the physical, I'm on earth to complete the agenda or work toward the completion of the agenda of my soul. I'm not here to get the guy, get the girl, get the car, get the job, get the building with my name on the building. That's not my idea of success. That's not what I'm here to do or become maybe after my name is on 15 different buildings, become president of the United States. That's not what I'm trying to do. I came here to complete the agenda of my soul. And if more people understood that, then they would know when they are starting to move toward completion of that agenda. That's the experience that you had. Seeing yourself lying there you know, in kind of a soft way, with you, the edges of your personality were gone. That's what I mean by soft. And you were kind of like, you know, experiencing, oh, I've made some progress here. Yes. I'm not as selfish. I'm not as unkind. I'm not as unconscious. I'm not as uncaring. I'm far more sensitive and far more aware today than I was 20 or 30, 40 years ago when I was a young man. I'm making some movement. And now I know what I'm doing here. And now I can use the rest of my life consciously choosing my thoughts, my words, and my actions to ensure that they are moving forward the agenda of my soul. And that I'm not simply here trying to get the guy, get the girl, get the car, get the job, and get the building with the name on the building. Exactly. Well, thank you for clarifying that. Uh, Neil Donald Walsh, my special guest on Guys Guys Radio. So tell us, do you think that your soul's mission, um, two-part two question here, is specifically for the one called Neil Donald Walsh, or it is an in general, is it a general soul mission that we all have, since we're all kind of heading towards the same place? And do you think you needed to go through that challenging 10-day period, if you will, 
to wake you up to be able to have that communication path cleared up between you and spirit? The answer is yes and no. Yes to the first question, no to the second. Yes, I feel that we are all following the same agenda. That is, it's not an agenda that's specific to Neil Donald Walsh, but that every soul, not just on Earth, I might add, but throughout the cosmos, and of course we know that there's intelligent life in a thousand other places in the universe. But um, so every soul is serving the same agenda, which is to experience itself as its true identity, as an individuation of divinity, dare I say it. So the answer is yes, we are all serving the same agenda, each in our own way, but the agenda is identical. The answer is no to the second question. It's not necessary for us to go through hell to get to heaven. I didn't have to go through my triple whammy, and it's not necessary for us to experience the worst of it in order to come to know the best of it. But, you know, some of us are stubborn. Some of us are just not getting it. Some of us took a longer time to, dare I use the phrase, wake up. I know it's wrong now these days, suddenly, because I'm one of the woke. (laughs) And I know that being the woke means that I don't have 15 buildings with my name on the building. (laughs) But but I'm sorry. Uh, I, I think I would describe my situation as having awakened to larger realities, larger understandings, and larger opportunities to express what I've come to understand, which changed my life in such a positive way. So I couldn't even begin to describe the difference between the me of today and the me of 30 years ago. Um, excellent. Um, God talk, experience of humanity's connections with a higher power. The individuals wrote chapters about their experiences, and then you write a little bit after them about each one of those experiences. Tell us how you kind of came to those specific experiences, those individuals, and what did you glean out of the process? And what did you learn about people that you may not have not known before they came to you and uh, submitted these stories? I learned nothing that I did not know before they came to the book. Okay. I I already knew. I mean, of course, I I didn't know specific things like their age or their address or, you know, but as human beings, they didn't reveal anything to me that I did not already know. I already know. I already knew that all of us are having conversations with God all the time. We're simply calling it something else. Some people call it, you know, an epiphany or a sudden inspiration or a brilliant idea or an incredible insight, or even women's intuition, whatever we want to use to, to, we don't, to, to, to avoid having to say, yeah, yeah, God told me this, or God said that to me, or God showed me this, because we don't want to be ridiculed, we don't want to be marginalized. So we use different words to describe this, the exact same process, which I simply call a conversation with God. So it's not necessary for us to go through the worst of it in order to experience the best of it. We, but but what, what it requires is a willingness, a determination to experience that we are all having an interaction with the divine, that we are all naturally having the interaction because the divine is part of us. That is, it's not separate from us. 
that that which is divine lives within every living creature. It's part of us. So, of course, it's interacting with us at all times. And we can receive wisdom, clarity, understanding, and move to a higher level of consciousness if we embrace the notion that God and we are one. Mm-hmm. I think that every person wants to have a stronger connection and a clear connection with spirit and to recognize the divinity within and in others. And sometimes people, especially nowadays, Neil, get challenged by the fact that um, so many of the quote unquote metaphysically woke people are are kind of disclosing through fear, if you will. There's a lot of fear coming out of mass media, but also out of the kind of the metaphysical area, where there's a lot of fear fear being propagated there as a reason why uh, we have to rise up because these horrible things could happen. Um, So that's one issue I want to talk about. But I also want to talk, break it down to what can individuals do? And you get into this in the book to start to be able to have that conversation with God on a regular basis. You have a six-point kind of point plan there, and uh, one of them is discernment, I know. And uh, and as part of that, what are some of the things that kind of get in the way? Well, let me get into that. Let, let's talk about that six-step process. Uh, I, I'm not going to read the whole book to you, but I can right. summarize it. The step number one is possibility. We have to admit that it's possible that God would actually speak directly to human beings. And of course, part part of that is realizing or accepting the fact that it's possible that such a thing as God even exists. Now, eight out of 10 people do agree on that. Mm-hmm. Surveys have been taken around the world. So it's, it turns out that about 85% of humanity believes in some kind of higher power. So most of us believe that it is possible that God exists, but not the largest number of us agree that it's possible that God talks directly to human beings, unless you're the Pope or the Archbishop of Canterbury or the or the chief ulama or the head rabbi, you know, somebody sacred or holy, you know, or a good or a saint or a sage. Fair enough. But God doesn't talk to ordinary people like Robert. My God, never talk to you directly. I mean, look at you. Are you kidding me? So, so the second step in the process is worthiness to accept that, in fact, God would talk directly, not just to the Pope or the Archbishop of Canterbury or the Chief Ulama, but that God talks directly to us, not just to Jesus, not just to Muhammad, bless his holy name, not just to the Buddha not just to Moses, not just to Mother Mary, not just to all the people, men and women through the years, Catherine of Genoa, Julian of Norwich. God talks to all of us all the time. I was told that in the first chapter of the first book of Conversations with God. I said, I said, why me? Why would you choose me? <laughs> God said, oh, sweetheart, sweetheart, please don't think you're more special than anybody else. I talk to everybody all the time. The question is not to whom am I talking. The question is who's listening. So once we accept our worthiness, we go into the third step, which is willingness. To be willing, not just think that we're worthy, but to be willing to receive information directly from the divine. That takes us to step number four 
which is wakefulness. By the way, willingness is not to be taken lightly. Many people are not willing That's true. to receive a message from God because they're scared. Mm-hmm. You know, religions have told us, I mean, some religions, in fact, most religions have told us that for us to declare that God is talking directly and specifically to us is blasphemy. Mm -hmm. It's apostasy. It's heresy. You're committing heresy if you claim that God is talking directly to and through you. So, of course, we're not willing to go there. We're not going to violate the greatest sin that religion could declare. So we're not willing. So step number three is not a small step to say, I am willing for God to talk directly to me. Then we go to step number four, wakefulness, to be awake to how God is doing that, because God is doing it across a million moments in a hundred different ways. The chance utterance of a friend we just happened to meet on the street, the overheard conversation in a coffee shop, the lyrics of the next song you hear on the radio, the, the words on the billboard as you turn the corner on the, on the on the freeway, and there's a message on the billboard that directs its attention specifically to exactly what you're thinking about right now and worried about right now in your life. Uh, the, the feeling that you get in certain ways, God speaks to us in a million different ways. Let me give you one example. Fragrances. I'm walking through a department store. This is now going back about 25 or 30 years, but I'm walking through a department store. And for no apparent reason, I'm smelling gardenia. And I realize, oh, I must be going through the, you know, the aroma section, the perfume section, or whatever. And somebody opened a bottle of gardenia perfume. So that's why I'm smelling this. But then I, it's, it stopped me cold in my tracks. I'm standing in the aisle of the department store realizing, I got to call mom. Because Robert. Amazing. Gardenia was her special fragrance all of her life. And whenever I smelled the gardenia, I thought of my mother. But I hadn't been, frankly, you know, consciously thinking about her for, for months. But when I got that message in the department store, I immediately went home. I didn't have a cell phone yet. This is 30 years ago. But I got on my phone and I called my mother. Thank God I did. Because Robert, she left us shortly after that. Mm -hmm. If I hadn't made that call, I would not have had that experience. Right. Wow. Wow. So my point being that God speaks to us in a million different ways across a thousand moments in our lifetime. But we have to be wakeful. Stay awake. Even if people call you one of the woke. Stay awake to how God is talking to you. God could even be speaking to you on some kind of a radio program you're listening to right now by a wacko named Robert, (laughs) who pretends that he's the host of the show. (laughs) Then we get to step number five, which is acceptance. Not to reject what we're hearing and just say, ah, it's just a coincidence. And uh, it's just my imagination. But to, in fact, accept it for what it is. Wisdom coming at you in a hundred different ways across a million moments. And don't reject it. And then finally, as you said, step number six, discernment, to make sure that we don't call everything a sign. It's a sign. You know, I reached into my pocket to grab my car keys, and when I pulled my keys out, you know, a $10 bill fell to the ground from my pocket. 
it's a sign. I'm supposed to take all my money and throw it on the ground. <laughs> no, no, not unless you're walking next to me. Then you're welcome to do that because I'll pick it up. But, <laughs> but, but, so to have some discernment to be able to take a look at what might be an actual message from the divine and what might in fact just be our imagination. So to to use discernment to tell the difference. Let me uh, follow up on that a bit, Neil. And again, my special guest, Neil Donald Walsh, the new book is God Talk, Experiences of Humanity's Connections with a Higher Power. A lot of times people get stuck, sometimes in meditation where they can't stop their chattering mind. And when you are trying to be discerning in terms of, was that God speaking to me or am I speaking to myself or a combination of both, how can people, what are the tools, how do you deploy the tool of discernment? Because as you say, you can't, it can't be everything. Oh, that's God. Oh, that's God. That's God. It is in a way, but we have to make some decisions about it. How do we kind of balance that? I know that it's a message from the divine directly when I'm feeling enlarged, expanded, more free than I felt, felt in a very, very long time peaceful, serene, and excited about life. Mm -hmm. When I have all those feelings, and uh, then I know that it's a message that came directly to me from the divine, what my friend Elizabeth Kubler-Ross used to call divine intervention. Mm -hmm. But if it feels like fear, apprehension, oh, oh hold it, wait a minute, uh, halting this, you know, uh, uh, having to stop what I'm doing, or anything less than you know, excitement, full speed ahead, you know, <laughs> freedom. I mean, freedom. So, so uh, if it's a negative emotion that I know, of course, or has any negative aspect to it, shame, guilt, as I said, fear, uh, then I know it's not a message from the divine. But that's how I tell the difference. But if I feel enlivened and excited by an idea that's coming to me from whatever source, like I was excited to call my mother when I smelled that gartenia in the store. I mean, I went right home and got on the telephone, mm -hmm. not out of a sense of duty, out of a sense of awareness. Wow, I got to call mom. You know, what a memory device, her very signature fragrance in the middle of a department store. So, so when I feel excited and expanded, I do what I'm invited to do. <laughs> I never say no. Let me touch on uh, something we were talking about uh, a little bit of time ago, and that is the aspect of, of fear. Um, there's so much fear coming out of mass media. People are trying to, quote unquote, wake up um, to their divinity. I don't mean woke. And then you have a lot of folks in the metaphysical spiritual area who are trying to, quote unquote, help people wake up. But they're, they're coming at it from a fear. Some of them coming out from a fearful perspective. How, what, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I, th I think it's okay to, to use fear as an inducement. Uh, I, I'm not going to indict fear from top to bottom. You know, when I'm walking down the street in New York City and I come to Times Square, I don't walk across the street, you know, without having some level of at least caution, if not fear, to make sure that I'm not going to step into traffic just to give an example. Mm -hmm. So I have a different acronym for fear. I like F-E-A-R in my world. 
feeling excited and ready. So when I feel excited and ready, like I did, you know, when I was nine years old, standing in front of a roller coaster and putting down my my dime to get my roller. In those days, you could get on a roller coaster for 10 cents. And I was buying a roller coaster ticket. I'm thinking, what am I doing? Why would I why would I want to get on this roller coaster? Because I'm hearing everybody screaming. This roller coaster is five feet from me. And everybody's screaming and hollering. Ah! But I thought, you know what? Feeling excited and ready. I got on the roller coaster. And I too screamed out of excitement and out of my readiness to feel the next movement of that roller coaster. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, I'm I'm not going to reject fear. I think fear can be useful as long as we don't suppress it. But if we try to repress our fear, then it turns into panic. Mm-hmm. So it's more of an awareness um, to keep you on point and to be aware than to uh, to shut you down. Sure. I, I, I you know, if, if saying the truth is, uh, is is causing someone to be afraid of something. You know, I talk about, for instance, the climate crisis all the time. And I say directly to people, if we don't start doing something as a civilization to turn that climate crisis around, we're going to cause irreparable damage to this planet and leave our grandchildren and our children a world we couldn't even imagine. We need to do something now, not tomorrow, not in 25 years, but now. Mm-hmm. People could say, oh, he's fear-mongering. I'm sorry. If telling the truth causes you to feel fear, then good for us. Feeling excited and ready to do something about it. Neil, how has your relationship with uh, God changed over the time since you wrote your first book to now? Well, well, from the time before I wrote my first book. Okay, fair enough. Before I wrote my first book, I thought that God was to be obeyed and worried about and listened to very carefully and uh, worshipped, that God needed my worship, and not just my worship, but in certain ways. I had to worship God in a certain way. In other words, if I wasn't a Catholic, if I was a Baptist, but I was a Lutheran or 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 Baptist or a Presbyterian, God forbid, Presbyterian. Are you kidding me? That's supposed to bring a smile to your face, right? That's a joke, Robert. <laughs> I was just thinking, sorry. <laughs> so, but you know, because I, I was I was toyed with writing a book. Even Presbyterians go to heaven. <laughs> so. So I was told, my idea about God was that God wanted things a certain way, that God had needs and requirements. After my conversation with God, what changed is that my idea of God as a demanding, requiring, needy God, that's what changed. And what changed in me is that I stopped being demanding, requiring, and needing. I began to think, if God can love me that way, why can't I love other people? At least the person on the pillow next to me. I got somebody. If I can't even love the person I'm living with without requiring or demanding or expecting something in return, mm-hmm. without needing something in return, then then what's what, then what am I calling love? It's not love at all. 
is self-serving emotion. I'm only loving myself, using another person as an instrument with which to do it. So what's changed for me is I've now come to accept that God needs nothing, requires nothing, expects nothing, demands nothing, and that God showers us with pure love by bringing to each of us all that we need to know to demonstrate our true identity. Mm -hmm. Perfect way to end our conversation. And I hope we can do another one, but we'll talk about that separately. Neil Donald Walsh, my special guest, return guest on Guys Guys Radio. We just scratched the surface, but the new book is God Talk, Experiences of Humanity's Connections with a Higher Power. You're just uh, an incredible individual. You're doing God's work, and I, you've helped me tremendously. So I thank you, Neil, for being on the show again, and just for everything you do. Thank you. Those are very kind words, Robert. Thank you for saying those words to me, and I've enjoyed being here immensely. Okay. It's Guy's Guy Radio. What a wonderful conversation with Neil Donald Walsh. I think we're all blessed that he came back on the show and shared with us his perspective from all of his experiences that he's had communicating directly with spirit. Do you believe him or not? That's up to you. I, personally, I do. Uh, it'd be too much to make all of this up, and he's not taking any kind of position where he's finger-wagging at us and telling us what to do. Neil's basically telling us what God told him, which is, you don't have to do anything, really. I'm not asking anything of people. You don't have to ask spirit for forgiveness. If you want to do forgiveness, forgive other people. Forgive yourself. But God loves us as we are, in our own perfection, even with our myriad of issues and problems and flaws. The great thing is the universal consciousness, God, if you will, spirit, if you will, loves us, loves you, loves me, loves everything. Because according to Neil, God is made up of pure love. And God experiences himself, herself, itself, they self however you want to slice it, through us. So what a wonderful concept where universal consciousness is experiencing so many different things through all of us and through everything. It's just a wonderful thing. And when you start to look out there and say everything has that God particle in it, you, me, everybody that you know, your pets, the, the grass in your backyard, your vehicle, the sky, the clouds, the squirrel running in the trees, everything has God in them, so everything is God. And the good news there is that we have so much more power than we think we do. And because you hear it all on mass media, they keep trying to make everybody small and afraid, and it doesn't have to be that way. Love yourself. Believe in yourself and use your power to make things happen in a really good way. And if you start to begin to see the divinity in every single thing that comes in your path, and you can start witnessing what's going on here for, for us on planet Earth right now, you'll, have a, you'll feel much wiser and have a much better experience. And you won't be afraid because you know that you have God in you, you're connected with spirit, and you are eternal and you're full of love 
and you may have to peel away a lot of letter, a lot of layers, and you might have to shine a light on all those dark areas of your soul and of yourselves. But when you do it, things get better and better and better. So if you want to heal the world, heal yourself. If you want to love the world, you want the world to love you, love yourself and do it in a good way. Guys, Guys Radio, we're here every Wednesday evening at 8 p.m. Pacific time on KCAA Radio in Southern California, 106.5 FM, 1050 AM. The show rebroadcasts every Sunday at 6 p.m. Pacific time on KCAA, and they have, a, they have their own website, and you can stream, you can download, you can listen live. We have a podcast, Guys Guys Radio podcast. has been downloaded in over 100 countries. It charts frequently all around the world. You can find us on all of the platforms. Any, probably any platform you listen to podcasts on, you'll find us, Guys Guys Radio. And if you want to watch my interviews with our wonderful guests, go on YouTube or Rumble, and you can watch. So there's no excuse for you not to be able to find us here on Guys Guys Radio. And if you would enjoy the guests and content I bring you each and every week on the show, please do us a favor and subscribe, follow, rate, review, whatever. I want to have a shout out to my 750 guests I've interviewed over the years, my wonderful producer, Chris. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the wonderful job you do, my strategy lead, Ryan. And most of all, I want to thank you, my audience, my listener, my followers, everybody who sticks with us with the show and helps spread the word for the work that we're doing to help raise the vibration of the planet, if you will. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm going to be back here next week on Guys Guys Radio. But until then, like I always like to say, guys, guys, finish first. <laughs>